You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Good morning, everyone. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM on a Monday. Am I having to fake this enthusiasm? I'm going to get going here, Chelsea. Coming up in the next three hours, it is more and more football, starting with last night's Sin City showdown between the Jets and the Raiders. We'll get to that at 620. A look back at week 11 in college football as the national title picture begins taking shape. Then it is our first look at today's card in the NBA at 640. During the 7 o'clock hour, we will crown a winner of MVP Monday. Back to football at 720. We preview tonight's Monday night football game in Buffalo between the Broncos and the Bills. At 8 o'clock, we discuss what we learned over the weekend in the NFL. And finally, you know what's coming at 845, our best bets and the Dogster. Chelsea, what's happening? How was your weekend? Good morning. It was a nice weekend. Got to do a lot of fun things. Got a lot of things done, which, you know, if you're a mom, that's like number one in the book. So I did a lot of laundry. We put up our Christmas tree, which I got a little little clap back on social media for doing. But listen, if the sun is setting at 445 p.m., I have Mm -hmm. to have something to look forward to when the sun sets. So that's why I did it. Like the full Christmas decorations are not up. And that's another thing about owning a house where you have a yard and like all these other rooms to decorate. So I wanted to get ahead of it. So like we're not completely done Christmas decorating, but I have at least started. I think context matters here. I said this on Friday. You have a beautiful new home. You're filling it up. I saw Jake mounted some sconces or something this weekend with all that going on. I feel like that if there's anyone who can decorate their house early, it's you. And I'm not even that guy. Normally, I may wait until after Thanksgiving person. Right. And like, what's the difference? 11 days. Like, that's the thing. Like, why are why am I going to get this much hate for doing something 11 or 12 days early? Like, it's not that big of a deal. I get it if you're doing it before Halloween. It's just if you are hosting people for Thanksgiving and I have to cook an entire meal for my entire family, I don't want to have to put up Christmas decorations after doing all of that. I would very much like to relax and watch some football. Oh, you sound like me. So are you going to make Thanksgiving dinner? You're going to order? Don't you go out normally? That's what I feel like you do. Um, we have in the past, but I think now that we have a house, we'll probably cook. Okay. 
That's a good idea. We haven't decided yet, but I guarantee you that a big meal will probably not be on the menu. I think Catherine and I are either going to order something or make reservations somewhere like around the corner, just have a nice Thanksgiving meal for ourselves because it's just us. So we don't have family coming in or anything like that. So there's no real reason for us to have this big to do when it's just us two, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but it's me and my mom and my dad and my brother. Uh, and obviously I have a daughter. So anytime you have kids, I think you really want to make the holiday special because those are like yeah. core memories growing up. So we're going to try to cook. I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll do our best. Don't worry. I'm going to send you a fruitcake. You're going to love it. I'm going to send it <laughs> and then people will marvel at the amazing fruitcake that's been in the mail for days at a time Ugh. and then sitting there waiting to be eaten. Ugh, gross. Chaza, let's talk about our best bets before we get into last night's Sunday night football game. Just one bet on the card for you, but a winning week. Yeah, it kind of sucks because I felt like I had a good read on the plays this weekend with the exception of the one that I played. Had Will Levis over 217 and a half pass yards. He finished with 199 and this was very frustrating because there was a couple times where he should have gotten this. Uh, number mm -hmm. one, at the end of the half, where the Titans decided to be extremely conservative, there was 45 seconds left on the clock, and the Titans mm -hmm. had the ball. They chose not to do anything. Like, most teams would say, okay, let's try to move the ball down the field and at least get a field right. goal here. No, the Titans ran the ball because they were so afraid of Will Levis throwing an interception that they just gave up at the, the end of the half. So that's usually a great spot for quarterbacks to get their passing yards. And instead, uh, I got none from that series. So he finished about 18 yards short. So that stung. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I was thinking about you yesterday because I was keeping track of that game for your sake. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be a sweat for her. But I figured at the end when they were behind, I was like, oh, he's going to get it late. So I was stunned like you were. I'm like, they're not doing anything here. I got lucky on Friday. Finally, a 3-0 night. I needed one. I was debating at the time because I'm like you, where if I'm having a winning week, then I want to keep that winning week intact. And the only exception to that rule is if I really, really like my picks, and I really like my picks, and fortunately got lucky there. Flames at the Leafs over six and a half. The Leafs win that game 5-4 in a shootout. Easy over. That was a winner. Had the Leafs on the money line. That was a sweat, but also a winner. And then had UNLV minus two and a half. I laid the juice at minus 158 beating Wyoming, and they won going away 34-14. But I was a little nervous throughout the day because that line kept moving in Wyoming's direction. I thought maybe there's something I don't know. Instead, a no-sweat winner. As for the Doxter, a win and a loss. Had Falcons-Cardinals over 43. The Cards win 25-23. That is a win. And had Oregon laying 15 against USC. Oregon wins 36-27. So for the week, Chelsea... You went five and four. I went eight and four. The Donkster went six and three. A winning week all the way around. And if you're curious, we haven't forgotten about Double D and his degenerate parlay. Did not come home. Odds of 198 to one, but the parlay does go five and three. So he is inching closer. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you with us on a Monday morning. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Before I even ask, you know what? I'll ask this in a second. Let's talk about Sunday Night Football. The Raiders stopped the Jets 16-12. to Ugh, What an ugly game. This was a pick'em. Raiders minus 110 on the money line total set at 36 and a hook. So the under hits, we were both on that. This was the slugfest. We thought we were going to get Josh Jacobs. K-9 
carries 27 times for 116 yards. Incredibly, this is his first 100-yard outburst in 24 games. The only touchdown on this one is a pass from Raiders quarterback Aiden O'Connell to another rookie. Jacobs in motion. Fake to him. O'Connell looking. Goes to the back. It is caught. There for the touchdown. Michael Mayer with the score. Call courtesy of Mike Tirico on NBC Sports Sunday Night Football. The Jets make one final attempt to win it. Zach Wilson intercepted by Robert Spillane with just more than a minute to play. And even then, Wilson got one more shot at the end of the game. A Hail Mary that falls incomplete in the end zone. But the Raiders, no matter how ugly it was, improved to 2-0 since the firing of Josh McDaniels. And I know this wasn't a huge win as far as the opponent is concerned. But I would imagine if you're in that locker room, it feels totally different right now. And you can tell just by the way the players are interacting and their quotes after the game. They are glad it is a new era in Vegas. Oh, for sure. The vibes have completely changed for the Las Vegas mm -hmm. Raiders. Granted, it's against the Jets, but still, when you're a team that was going into this game four and five, it's still a win. Like, both of these teams squarely needed wins. Same goes for the Jets. I know that they're playing mm -hmm. without Aaron Rodgers, but this is a team that's trying to tread water, at least until Aaron Rodgers can get back on the field. And I think the most frustrating part about their offense is the fact that they're moving the chains. They're getting first downs. Zach Wilson finished with 263 yards uh, passing, but they just can't connect when it comes to the red zone. Like, it's just field goal after field goal after field goal. And when you don't have a prolific offense, uh, even when your defense holds an opposing team to 16 points on the night, you're not going to get the win. So a lot of these games have been real close for the Jets. But it's just the offense, it comes down to being efficient in the red zone, and the Jets just don't have it. Yeah, they don't have much of anything. It's tough to watch Zach Wilson. He did have that one. Did you see the one no-look pass that he had? That will be the highlight of his career forever. 20 years from now, actually two years from now, maybe one year from now, he's out of the NFL. He's going to play that highlight on YouTube on repeat. He's going to be like, hey. From this one no-look pass. I mean, we lost. I didn't make it in the NFL. But look at this no-look pass. I, I always wonder when I see something like that. Like, it looked awesome. But I wonder, did he just blindly throw this pass, just like throwing it out there because that's kind of what he does and he got lucky? Or was this Zach Wilson actually showing a little flash? I can't decide. Oh, I have no idea. Either way, it connected. So he will have yeah. this moment at least long after his career is over, which might be in a couple of years. Uh, but in the meantime, there's not much to take away, I think, for Zach Wilson. Do you think the book is out on him just yet? Because I think I have had this argument before, so I need to tread carefully. Where mm -hmm. I have said this before, that we are not giving young quarterbacks enough of a chance to succeed. But it feels like Zach Wilson has had a pretty, a pretty good chance to yeah. show us what he's got. And I feel like what he's got is not what we wanted. So do you think we have given Zach Wilson enough time? Do you think the book is truly written on him? I do. And I, I, I agree with you. And I think we've seen this a few times in the NFL where we don't give these young guys. Let's not forget, there was a time when we didn't know if Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy in Philadelphia. It's easy to say now, but there were question marks like, eh, 
You know, we know he can run. Does he have enough to be a quarterback? Same thing with Tua Tungabailoa. Early mm-hmm. on in his career, there was that time where he was always getting hit, you know, having concussions, not really throwing the ball well. And those guys were question marks. Now here they are competing for MVPs. So I'm with you that it's important to give these guys a longer leash than fans generally give them and let them try to develop. I think the difference with Zach Wilson and those guys is that Tua would flash. Jalen Hurts would flash. Even Sam Howell for the commanders who's really starting to step up, he'll flash and he'll say, whoa, that's an NFL player right there. That's an NFL quarterback. So that's the difference where when Zach Wilson flashes, it's Zach Wilson not throwing an interception in a game. There's no real times when you think he really looks like an NFL quarterback. I just haven't seen that from him. So I think probably the book is written, yeah. But what about the Jets in general? Because I think this is a team that we've seen, if they're getting a lot of points, maybe they're worth a play just because the defense Mm -hmm. routinely keeps this game, this team in the game. So next up, the Jets have the Bills. So I'm interested to see that line. Maybe we will see if I have the guts and the gall to bet on the Jets there. But what about betting on the Raiders moving forward? Because we've heard some pretty good things about their rookie quarterback. Devontae Adams said, uh, according to him, Aiden O'Connell, not a rookie, at least by my standards. He said the poise that he's showing is going far beyond his years. I'm not sure if I'm ready to like say that just yet. Like, I don't think he's a top tier rookie quarterback, but he has shown some good things for this Raiders team that really didn't have a lot to show in the first of the year. Again, you mentioned Josh Jacobs finally going off. It's really tough for running backs to go off on a team that's always losing because clearly the game Mm -hmm. script is not good. So in this game, he actually got some good run and broke off some nice little runs here that eventually we knew were going to happen. But moving forward, is this a Raiders team you would want to bet on? No, not really. They haven't done they haven't done enough to convince me that all right, this is a team that is I think they'll be improved just by virtue of the fact that that locker room is better and they'll play harder and they'll be more together as a team. I don't really know how you quantify that, but they're still not a great football team. And even though I like Aiden O'Connell and I know Double D's been on Aiden O'Connell ever since he came out of Purdue talking him up. And you can just tell from the way Devontae Adams is speaking about him, like you were talking about, that it's just a different feel with him. He will go through those rookie fits and starts, just like we always see with every rookie quarterback, with the exception of maybe C.J. Stroud, who looks unbelievable. So I, I wouldn't trust them just yet. But at the very least, at least they're trending in the right direction where not everything seems like a total dumpster fire with a guy as a head coach who clearly never got his team, never synced with those guys, didn't have any chemistry. They didn't respect him. So cutting that out of your franchise is huge moving forward. I don't think it's not enough yet for me to trust them. Well, also you'll be getting a lot of points with the Raiders still like you're getting 10 when they play the dolphins. So it's also kind of built into the handicap, but the final question I have going out of the segment is primetime unders. My goodness, at this point, yeah. do you just blindly bet them? What is it, 24-7 and seven primetime Maybe. unders this season? What a cash cow they have been. At this point, I think I play primetime unders until it proves me wrong. Oh, 
Does that mean tonight you're playing the under in the Bills-Broncos game? Because I like that play a lot. We're going to talk about it later on in the show, but I'm just calling it out early on. You like it? I don't think I would play an over. Like, that's the oh, thing. No. If I'm going to play a total, it's going to be an under in a primetime matchup. Clearly, the Jets and the Raiders, you know, that was tailor-made for an under. We'll see about the Bills oh, and the man. Broncos. We both love that play, too. We tweeted it out yesterday. I'm angry that wasn't on my card. And that was the one play in football over the weekend I loved. And, of course, nope, didn't play it. Coming up next here on the show, Georgia cruises into the SEC title game against a familiar foe. We're starting to narrow down that national title picture. College football coming up next on the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by BetMGM. Thanks for waking up with us on a Monday. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Back to the show, the Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Plenty of college football to get to here in the next segment, and we'll tell you what happened over the weekend, the implications as far as the national title and conference races go. We might as well jump into this Jimbo Fisher story. I can't believe it. I would have never guessed this. Texas A&M has fired Jimbo Fisher, and as a part of his firing, they now owe him more than $76 million in guaranteed money. I'm going to say that number again. $76 million by far, more than double the biggest buyout in college football history. And I understand that the Aggies have underperformed this season, which they have. In fact, they've underperformed the entire time, for the most part, during Jimbo Fisher's tenure. But this is this is a real roll of the dice, I think, because you better have someone in the pipeline or ready to go or someone who will come to College Station. I hope the Aggies have thought this out. It's not their strong suit. Texas A&M has one national title. That came in 1939. So Jimbo did not get it done. I understand why there are high expectations, but there's two things going on here. A, Jimbo was a disappointment. And then B, Texas A&M looks across the way and they see Texas coming to the SEC with one loss. They see Oklahoma coming to the SEC. Oklahoma's having a very good season. And they decided, hey, this is a lot of money. We're going to pass the hat around. We're going to figure out a way to get this done. But we have to catch up before we get further and further behind because that's exactly what was happening, Chelsea. Right. It makes me wonder if they had somebody in mind because did the timing of this seem strange to you or did it seem like they are just trying to yeah. get ahead of things to where they are not competing with other programs who are firing their coaches? Like, that's the only thing I can think of because it's not like Texas A&M lost. They put the beat down on Mississippi State, won that mm -hmm. game 51 to 10. So do you have any inklings on why this happened when it did? I I think it was just a matter of, of time. This it, it feels like to me this was decided before the Mississippi State game because AM is just playing Literally. for what bowl eligibility. That's pretty much it. So as far as their 
aspirations are concerned, they 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 just needed him gone. They needed him gone. They didn't want him winning out, which would have been okay. You got to win against LSU. You had a nice little run to win the season or end the season, but you really haven't met expectations again. We'll keep you around for another year. They just didn't want to tread water with Jimbo again. Right, because I don't think they want to live at the level of mediocrity that he was bringing to the table. But it's just wild to me how many coaches come and go in the SEC West. Do you think this has anything to do with, like, Nick Saban? Like, I know this because I covered Auburn for Mm -hmm. a long time. Or not a long time, but, like, three or four years. And it just felt like every single coach was put to such an impossible standard because, number one, winning in the SEC West is so hard. Look at the teams in the SEC West. And just in the SEC in general, now that the SEC East actually has some solid teams Mm -hmm. for the first time in a while. Uh, so do you think this is a, an, a product of playing in the SEC West, or do you think that Jimbo Fisher was just not a good coach? I think the game passed Jimbo Fisher by. He runs a very, very complex offense, which may have worked with a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback in Jameis Winston, Jameis who was incredible Winston. in college. Yeah, mm-hmm. but doesn't necessarily work with most quarterbacks. And not only that, and this will sound very biased for me, AM kind of mucks things up because it's a very different culture down there. Remember when Jimbo Fisher got hired and they handed him a national championship trophy? Didn't have a date on it. It said 20 blank blank. So in his introductory press conference, they handed him and said, whoop, here it is. Here's the national championship trophy that you're going to win. And we're going to give you a contract that has never been... A contract with this guaranteed money, this much guaranteed money, has never been given out before, ever. So we're going to give you a record contract and a fake national championship trophy. And also, we have one national title. That was in 1939. So this is a program that has always been kind of right there. But Texas A&M is not a blue blood school. When you think of the blue bloods in college football, they want to be. But they're not there. And so they have a tendency to overspend and overdo things in the name of trying to get to that point. Yeah, it feels to me, and you probably know more about the history of Texas A&M and just how successful they've been. But it feels to me that they had a moment there when they had Johnny Manziel and they moved to the SEC where it looked like this was a school and a program that was going to make a massive leap and become one of the premier programs in all of college football and then Mm -hmm. after johnny manziel left like i know this is a lot of programs because most of it is just finding a good quarterback and recruiting uh, a quarterback that's going to take you to the promised land but other than that like what am i missing here it feels like they've been a good program but have they ever had that level of success and like top tier stardom that they did back when they had johnny manziel look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Not really. They have one season of double-digit wins this century. That's when they went 11-2 and two in 2012. So it's not like they, they've had that sustained period where they're winning double digits. They had that, that moment, and it looked like they were going to take off. You were right about that. It looked like you've got this Heisman Trophy whirling dervish this incredible player who's going to take you to the next level and they just weren't able to take advantage of it so now they're going to start from scratch there's all sorts of rumors out there maybe it's lane kiffin they're going after maybe it's dan lanning from oregon and if they go after dan lanning well he has a 20 million dollar buyout if he wants to leave for college station anyway because it feels like he has a pretty good gig with the ducks i don't know what's going to happen but whatever it is they're going to pay a lot of money again and they're going to be on the hook for a lot of money. And then you wonder, do you have an infinite amount of money to spend here? Because clearly they've been huge in NIL. They are at a real critical point where they've got to find the right guy. Chelsea, let's talk about what we saw over the weekend in college football. And we will start in Happy Valley, where number two, Michigan beats number nine, Penn State, 24 to 15. Michigan was laying four and a half points. Michigan minus 215 on the money line. Total set at 44 and a hook and the under hits Jim Harbaugh not on the sideline before the game having been suspended as part of the Wolverines cheating scandal doesn't matter Michigan just hounds the rock on the ground all game with Blake Corum going off Corum with a hole down the sideline can he get there Blake the great touchdown Wolverine 30 yards Gus Johnson on the call from Fox. Quorum, 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns. Donovan Edwards, 10 carries, 52 yards, and a score. In fact, this is crazy to me. Michigan attempted zero passes in the second half. They ran the ball at one point 32 consecutive times on plays that counted. It started with the final two plays of the first half and then ended with a couple of kneel downs as the Wolverines stay undefeated. This was good old-fashioned smash-mouth football, and Penn State just could not stop the Wolverines on the ground. It was it was crazy to watch. That's that's very that's that's very much the antithesis of what we see in college football nowadays and even in the NFL where it's a pass-first league. You see a lot of guys over a lot of yards. Michigan goes old school. Especially because going into this game, you thought it would be more evenly matched. And I know on the scoreboard, it doesn't look like it was a blowout. But when you see what the Michigan offensive line was doing in that game, because it's not just the run game. Of course, you have to have talented Mm -hmm. running backs to run the football like that. But they were just making these holes for the running backs that just made it easy on them. So I think moving forward, that is the key factor to look at Michigan is how good that offensive line is and how they made a very good Penn State team that coming into this game had defensive metrics in the top 10 in just about every category look like they couldn't stop the run at all. Like, couldn't stop it in the second half at all. So, uh, moving forward, I would like to see the college football playoff rankings and how the Jim Harbaugh situation maybe affects that. Because what a wild scenario we have now. 
Michigan is cruising, but yet they have the scandal breathing down their neck where Jim Harbaugh suspended. Um, clearly, it didn't make a difference that he was on the sidelines. They had that other guy that burst into tears at the end of this game. Can we talk about that mm-hmm. for a second? I'm sure, sure you saw this viral moment where one of the assistants went absolutely bananas at the end of the game in the post-game press conference. I forget his name. I remember searching it on Twitter. But this guy acted like Jim Harbaugh died or something. (laughs) The way that he was crying, it made you think that this was the biggest underdog team you've ever seen. I thought to myself, Mm -hmm. Michigan was supposed to win this game. They were favored here, but yet this guy is crying like somebody died and that they have won a game that they weren't supposed (laughs) to win. But you know what? I, I like the passion. I appreciate it, but it was kind of funny. Yeah, it's crazy. I'll give Michigan credit. They have embraced this and used this as a chip on their shoulder. Blake Corn was wearing a toboggan before the game that said Michigan versus the world. And you see the assistant coach who is crying after the game. So when you have something like this, it can either tear you apart, it's a distraction, or it can galvanize you. It has galvanized Michigan. So, in fact, Penn State, after the game, they fired their offensive coordinator, Mike Yersich, because Penn State managed only 238 yards of total offense in that game. There's another guy that got fired. And really, that that feels like, to me, like a real scapegoat way to go. It's, I mean, Double D, I guess, is happy about it. But what? You didn't play well against the Michigan defense? Do you know who plays well against the Michigan defense? Nobody. Well, there were some weird decisions early on in that game. Like, going for two early on. Like, I get it. Points are at a premium. And then, like, going for fourth down. There were some weird decisions there. But yeah. I don't know if it was on the offensive coordinator or James Franklin, which now we know the narrative on James Franklin is that he cannot beat – that the top teams in college football, they showed his record before the game against uh, AP top five teams. It was not good. So I think that's going to be the narrative moving forward when it comes to James Franklin. Yeah. He can kick kick the the tails off of some of these worst Mm -hmm. programs, but when it comes to those big wins, he just can't get them. And that's what Penn state wants. They don't want to live, you know, in the the middle of the big 10. They want to be one of the contenders. No, as the, I think what gets me about this firing, and it's, I'm not some sort of Yurcich apologist, but this is the sixth offensive coordinator under James Franklin. He's had six. That is an incredible amount of OCs under your purview, if you will. So what I think, this is just, this is job preservation for James Franklin, where he's not going to get fired. He's not going to get fired, but it sure does It sure does take a little bit of the pressure off when you're right there and you can't really get to that top tier and you say, you know what? We just need an, a, a new offensive coordinator, and then we'll be fine. Somebody, somebody's got to take the L here. Somebody's got to take the fall because I don't want this narrative out there that it's me that can't get us here. Because James Franklin is a very good head coach. He's a very good recruiter. But what's the best way to take some of the pressure off? You say, guys, I know our offense has been really stagnant compared to the talent that we have recruited since I've gotten here to Happy Valley. So once again – let me let go of my OC. At some point, you got to take some responsibility, but nice little deflection there. I'll say that. Finally, let's talk about number one, Georgia, crushing number 10, Ole Miss, 52-17. Georgia laying 11 points. Georgia minus 440 on the money line. Total set at 58 to hook. Carson Beck throws for 306 yards, two touchdowns. Kendall Milton, nine carries for 127 yards, two touchdowns. And tight end Brock Bowers returns to the team. 
Now motions back into the slot. On third down, Beck looks down the middle. There's Brock Bowers. Touchdown, Dogs. Chris Fowler with the call on ESPN. A huge piece of that lineup returning to Georgia Bowers. Only three catches, 34 yards, and a score. But we know what a monster he is. The Dogs have now won 27 straight games, and they secure their place in the SEC title game against Alabama. Another year, and it's the same two big teams going at it once again. And both of these offenses look like they have really hit their stride. Because isn't that what we've seen from Georgia? Maybe their defense isn't quite as lights out as it has been in years past. But boy, have they been prolific when it comes to their offense, averaging over 40 points per game. The over has also been super hot for the dogs over this last recent stretch. Uh, But here's a trend to watch. And I'm trying to think how we can bank on this. Georgia has allowed an opening drive touchdown uh, I think in like six straight games, it's wild. No, fourth, fourth straight game, allowing an opening drive touchdown. Because early on this game, you thought that Ole Miss might keep it close. And I was yeah. rooting for points, so I was all for it. I don't know what this is. Like, I know it's usually a scripted opening drive, but what is it about mm-hmm. this defense? Do you think you just say, okay, this is a defense that's good at making adjustments, and maybe that's yeah. the play? Is just overall they're the better team with a better coach? Yeah, sometimes you see defensive coordinators sort of feel out what an offense wants to do and then adjust as opposed to having, not that they don't have a game plan, but do you know what I mean? And as part of Mm -hmm. that adjustment, there is that risk for an offense having success early before getting shut down. Feels like Georgia is that team. Coming up next, we're going to the hardwood and find out which games we like tonight, including the Knicks and the Celtics. That is next on The Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on The Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to The Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Welcome back. It's a Monday. The Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. Ugh, tried to do my hair during a break. Yes. That didn't go so well. We got a lot of height going on there. We'll see what happens. Coming up in the next couple minutes, it is not easy trying to handicap the Wizards and the Raptors. But we're going to try because that's what we do here on the show. Chelsea, I got to tell you, I did an adult thing this weekend. That's a big deal for me. I was talking with the lovely Catherine, and we were saying, we have got to do something adult-oriented this weekend. Something to move forward in an adult way. Because when we see each other, as I always say on the show, we miss each other during the week. So Friday, Saturday, we just get turnt, and then we usually chill on Sunday. That's pretty much much our MO. But Friday, we were like, all right, we need to sit down tonight. And we need to do some adult stuff. So we sat down together and we opened up a joint account. We have our own individual accounts, but we decided let's open up an account together and both set up monthly contributions so that we can save together to eventually get married, to buy some furniture, or maybe just save for a vacation, whatever it is, because we go on vacations and we figure it out. But let's do this so we actually have something in place, some sort of nest egg that we can start building together. 
And then that way, that will be a good starting point for us for all the other adult things that we need to do. So I know it sounds like a lame thing for a lot of people, but for us, it was a big deal because we keep talking about it. And it was not like a point of contention. It was just like, we got to sit down and do this. So we finally did it. And for us, Chelsea, that was a huge step. Well, who needs the notebook when you have romance alive in this (laughs) type of relationship? But the older you get, I think the more you appreciate the practical measures that your partner does to keep you in the loop. Because like my friends that are currently dating, like over the age of 30, they're like, okay, does he have a job? Does he have a good credit score? What's his 401k looking like? So, you know, when you're in your 20s, you're just like, okay, is he hot? So now I think the older you get in your life, you realize that those things matter. Like the practical things that may Mm -hmm. not sound sexy on paper are actually things that play a big role in your life moving forward. So I agree. This is actually a very good thing for you and Catherine, even though it may not sound super sexy. It's not super sexy. But it is super packed, and we needed to do it. So, of course, what do we do after that? Hey, let's get some drinks, listen to music, and party. We, we should celebrate because we opened an account together, which is exactly what we did. I have a theory when it comes to dating. Let me ask you this. So I was talking about this with my friend Joe on Saturday, which is do you think that the if you're just a nice person, and this can go for both sides, right? You can be male or female, but I think this happens to guys. It happened to me a lot, but whatever. Maybe I'm just trying to boost myself. But I feel like if you're just a nice person, right, you're a good, practical person, but you don't have, like, an edge to you, I feel like that if you're trying to appeal to someone in their 20s, that maybe that works against you, but then becomes a real benefit 10, 20 years later because you appreciate things like that. You go through life, you're like, oh, my God, I'd kill for a nice, decent person right now. They're so hard to find. Whereas in your 20s, you assume those people are out there everywhere. And that's not necessarily the case. I think you are correct in the the when you're casting a wider net. Like, you will get more bites on your hook. Like, say you're fishing. Yes, But the wild thing about dating that makes me think that like no advice is applicable is because Mm -hmm. all it takes is one person, one person. That's it. You don't need to be impressing every single person on the dating apps. You just need that one person. So, you know, whatever you are, whatever your personality Mm -hmm. is, I feel like you just got to be yourself because what if you met the person that, you know, you were supposed to be with and you were so busy trying to put this front like, oh, I need an edge to me. I need to be this person that I'm not. But you miss out on the person that you're supposed to be with. So it's just dating is so different. And I think it's so tough to give advice because it's almost like, you know, really high-end jobs where there is just one front office executive that you really have Mm -hmm. to impress. And it is completely subjective. Like there are some objective things that go into it. Obviously you need the resume and the experience, but it's one person's opinion. So that's the wild part of dating that I think it's really tough to give advice on. Oh yeah, for sure. We always have this debate, Catherine and I do, which is because she always says, I wish God, I wish I'd met you when I was younger. And I'm like, yeah, I wish that too. But also I wonder, would you have really liked me when you were younger? That's what I always debate. Like, were you in a place where you would have appreciated someone like me or you'd have been like, oh, no, he's nice, but, you know, I'm looking for something else or I want someone who has, I don't know, a little something different about him, something mysterious. I don't know. There's no real right answer there. I just think it's an interesting question. 
Oh, for sure. Uh, it's it's wild the past that our lives could have gone if we met somebody earlier, if we yeah. didn't meet them at all. Like, think about, like, if I didn't go to NC State, I wouldn't have met Jake, which is wild because I could have gone yeah. to other schools for swimming and he could have gone to other schools for baseball. And then why, one final adult question before we move on, because I sure. am looking to do this myself. Did you do, like, a CD? Did you do, like, um, what did you do for your investment? We did if I can a... Ask. Oh yeah, sure. I feel free. I we did a high yield savings account. So okay. we will which you know, it depends on your timeline. Obviously, if you if you do a CD or something like that, all you need to do is wait a specific amount of time and then you get a better rate because of that. And I have some individual stocks that I keep just separately as a, as a real long-term investment, like the money that you don't ever want to touch, like you want that in 20, 30 years mm -hmm. to be there for you and you let that build. But yeah, we just found a high-yield savings that we can both contribute to and then we can grab money anytime out of it. And so we're not penalized for that. So that's what we did. Yeah, I need to do that. That's on my to-do list. I either want to do a high-yield savings account because you can get some good rights out there, even for yeah, just checking accounts. Uh, yeah. because we're going to these, uh, things where it's not brick and mortar banks and they're able to offer like these much better rates. Uh, but I did find a no penalty CD, uh, oh. that I think I might be taking a look -see at. You can take your money out, I think without any kind of penalty and people do this all the time because you can take it out and find one with a better interest rate. So, uh, I'm walking down that line of being an adult there with oh. you. I appreciate it. By the way. We don't just give out picks here on the show. We will plan your fiscal future for you. <laughs> Maybe we can do it by winning some money tonight in the NBA. Chelsea, I handicapped every one of these games. Oh, my God. What was I thinking? Let's start with the Knicks and Celtics. Probably the best game on the schedule tonight, I think. At least, I think one of the more intriguing ones. It's in Boston. Celtics laying eight and a half points. Celtics minus 375. Knicks are plus 290. Total set at 220 and a half. Do you have a play here? I want to take the Knicks because I do feel like it maybe is too many points, but it's real hard to get go against the Celtics this year, yeah. especially in this spot, because the Celtics in years past have been kind of troublesome when laying big numbers. But if you look at them this year, they have covered every single number with the exception of one against the Miami Heat when they're laying more than seven points. So this has been the area where the Celtics are fully capable of blowing teams out. And I think that's the sabotage factor when you take the Knicks here is that offensively, mm -hmm. we know the Celtics can score. And if those threes are hitting, you're probably not staying within shooting range of this Celtics squad. But the Knicks, I feel like are a good enough team to maybe give them a run for their money. We saw this matchup the first uh, night of the season, or at least the first game of the year for both of these squads. And the Celtics won it 108 to 104. So the spread on that one was four. It was a push. I feel like tonight would be along the same lines to where yeah. you're going to be sweating this bet till the very end. So I don't think it's going to be a super great play for me. I would look at Julius Randle, though. If you can get his rebounds, I believe over nine and a half is for plus money. I think this oh, is nice. where you can take advantage of a different lineup for the Celtics this year. Obviously, it's Chris Dips for Porzingis down low, who is not as ferocious on the defensive side, mm -hmm. as opposed to maybe somebody like Robert Williams III, who is no longer with the Celtics. Uh, but if you look at the, the fantasy matchup for the Celtics, they're giving up, I believe, the six most rebounds to opposing power forwards of any team in the NBA. So I think that is the way to go. Julius Randle over his rebounds. Other than that, I think it would be a stay away from me. I'm going to go Knicks here. 
I'm trying to decide if I want to play it, but they've been two and one against the number when playing on the road this season. Now, that's not a huge sample size, but some of these things carry over into this season. If you go back to last year, I know you remember this. The Knicks were great on the road. One of the best teams on the road against the number. In fact, they were third best in the NBA in that spot. They've quietly won three straight, scored a season high 129 points yesterday. And so I, I've i seen the early money hit the Knicks. I think it's a big number. Celtics can obviously cover it, but I'm going to go Knicks plus eight and a half. Wizards at the Raptors. Oh, my God. The Raptors are laying nine and a half points. The Raptors minus 450. Wizards plus 350. Total set at 227 and a half at that MGM. Do you have any interest in that one or not? I would say you probably don't. Well, early on, the Wizards were a cash cow for opposing teams' props just because you look at the Wizards roster and you know they ain't playing any defense, and that's usually right. the case. Although last night it was a much lower-scoring affair between the Wizards and the Nets, that makes me a little nervous because that game ended 102-94. to Maybe that had nothing to do with the defense and maybe just some other metric where the shooting wasn't that great, et cetera, whatever. Uh, but if there is a play to be made in the props world, I believe it would be – Dennis Schroeder, point guard for the Raptors over his assists. Right now, the Wizards still on the season, giving up the second most assists of any team in the NBA to opposing point guards. So I would need to see the lines. And doing it this early in the morning, sometimes we don't have those lines available to us, at yeah. least over at BetMGM. Uh, over 7.5 for minus 115. I think I would play that. Dennis Schroeder over his assists, uh, banking on a very bad defense from the Washington Wizards. That's a good idea. I'm thinking about maybe a player prop, maybe a scoring prop on Pascal Siakam, something like that. Some guy who can take advantage of the Wizards because you mentioned those player props. Also, I will say this. I might just lay the nine and a half with the Raptors for a couple reasons. Now, I will say the Wizards three and two against the number on the road this season. They've had a propensity for making these weird runs late in games, not to necessarily win, but to cover. But here's the thing. They played yesterday. So having played yesterday against the Nets and then having to go to Toronto, which isn't too far of a road trip, but still you've got the Raptors just sitting around resting. I think it's a good spot for Toronto to just absolutely whip up on Washington. So I'm going to take the Raptors minus the nine and a half. Coming up next here on the show, time to hand out the only trophy that matters. And you know I'm talking about MVP Monday. Who had the best weekend in sports? She's Chelsea. I'm Jinx. It's coming up next on the Daily Tip from Becky Up, presented by BetMGM. Thanks for waking up with us live across the country at 6 a.m. We're coming back. For more, listen to the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.